0: This is the last week of Missions Month, and I tell you what, this, um, this theme, Jesus in the World, has been my favorite theme for Missions Month that we've ever had. And I think it's because Jesus in the world, that is what life is about for us. You guys hear what I'm saying? As a Christian, that is the juice. That's the stuff, that we are Jesus in the world. Jesus is in the world, but He is in the world because He is in us, and we live on this, uh, on this earth. You know, Um, uh, what does it say? Be in the world, but not of it. We are in this world. We're not of it, but we are in it. And Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And so I was thinking about what Luke wrote in the book of Acts. And, And just to kind of set up this morning in Acts 17, 28. And you guys are familiar with this scripture. You've heard it read or you've maybe even sung it. But it says, he says, in him, talking about Jesus, we live. We move and we exist. Some of your versions say, in Him we live and move and have our being. You guys remember the old song? In Him we live and move. Come on now. You guys remember that song? You don't remember that song? Wow. Well, you should find it on the internet somewhere and worship to it. Um, but in Him, in Jesus, we live, we move, We have our being. We exist. And that means that the way that I steward my life is different than someone who has not been born again, who has not been saved, who has not been redeemed by Jesus Christ. An unbeliever would say, for me, I live and move and have my being and exist. But that's not the way that we think. The way that we spend our time the places that we invest our money, um, the way that we strive for uh, godly contentment instead of worldly comfort, it makes us different than the people who do not know Jesus. You guys you have to see that, right? You have to know that. We are different, not because we're better, but because we have Jesus in our lives and we are living for Him. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, in verse 21, he says, For me, I'm just saying, but for me, living is living for Jesus. Living is living for Christ. And he actually goes on to say, and dying is even better because he knows that dying puts me with my Lord. But living for me, living is living for Christ. That means as long as I'm on this earth, I am on this earth for Jesus. is that our mindset? As long as I am on This earth, I am on this earth for Jesus. Everything I am, everything I say, everything I do, everything I think is to point people in his direction so that they would know him, so they would experience the goodness that I have experienced. And I live that way because he saved me. You guys, I live that way because he changed me. I live that way because I believe that he can save other people and change other people. Anyone who calls upon his name, he can save and he can change. And that's why our sixth shared value at, at SoMA we have six shared values, values that we cling to and that we hope as you get involved here, that you not only um, not only value what do they call a lot of times they call them core values. you know and that's fine but we don 't want them to just be a core value that exists they 're values that we hope that you share. Does that make sense? and one of our shared values that we hope we hope you share with us is missional living. We value living out the love of Jesus, believing it will compel the spiritually lost to follow him and i 've actually shared on missional living several times a couple times during uh, different missions month and and then one time we did a series uh, based upon our shared values. And I've shared that missional living is living as missionaries. And, and that's totally true. And I'm not taking away from that. But this morning I'd like to add to it and come from a different direction. And that's this. And I want you to go ahead and write this down. We're going to look at it at a different angle. Missional living is living in the fight. Okay. Missional living is living in the fight. How many of you guys have ever heard of Matt Friedman? Raise your hand. Maybe listen to the Matt Freedomman show. It's called. Uh, he has a radio show called "In the Fight," where he basically challenges believers to step up and make a difference in the world the way that the Word of God tells us to. And uh, he can be, you know, kind of loud and even sometimes kind of obnoxious. But I totally relate to that, so we get along just fine. You know, not to crank him up. It's like, yeah, you go crazy. So, but he has that show. It's called "In the Fight." Uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, Tom Sloan shared. Um, about how our Christian life, our life in Christ, the way we live for Christ, cannot be a separate thing from missions. You know what I mean? It's not a separate thing. It's, it's one and the same. Uh, um, if you're Christians, he was basically saying the same thing Paul did. Then living is living for Christ. And living for Jesus means you live in the fight. So real quick, I just want you to say, living for Jesus is living in the fight. Some of you guys still have too much turkey on your tummy. Okay, and I do too. This morning I was like, oh. Okay, but say it again. Living for Jesus is living in the fight. Living for Jesus is living in the fight. And to be clear, I am not talking about going and picking a fight in Jesus' name. You guys know that I'm not talking about that. Hey, man, what's up? I know Jesus. You want to rumble? I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. You know, we had, we had seasons in history where people did that. That didn't work out too well, right? So I'm not talking about that, but what I am talking about is Ephesians 6.12. Most of us are familiar with Ephesians 6.12. If you want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to read it real quick. It should be up on the screen. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the rulers, the powers, the forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, obviously, this is talking about something otherworldly and not the good version of it, but the wicked version of it. Demonic forces. Okay, that's what we fight against. You guys remember when Jesus sent his disciples out on that little short term mission trip? Remember when he sent them out two by two? You guys, some of you remember remember that story? Remember what he told them? He said, he said, he said he summoned, it says he summoned the 12 together and he began to send them out in pairs. And here's what he said. I give you authority over the unclean Spirits, And he goes on to say other things. But the first thing he says is, I'm giving you authority. We're going to take that word authority and put it up on the shelf because we're going to come back to it. But I'm giving you authority over unclean spirits. In other words, demons, spiritual forces of wickedness. I don't mean to get crazy, but I'm just telling you that's what that's what Jesus said. This is what I'm giving you uh, power and authority over. It's because these evil spirits, these things are what keep people bound up. Please hear me in case you don't hear anything else. At least go out equipped with this knowledge this morning. The enemy and his little minions that are on assignment in different people's lives, and I I totally believe that, are what keep people bound up. Bound in their sin. Bound in their iniquities. Bound with with generational curses. Okay, I'm not trying to get hyper-spiritual here, but these are real things. Scripture talks about them. We talked about some of those things when we went through the hurt pocket on Wednesday nights. It was really good. Okay? Some diseases had to do with evil spirits. All, you know, and worst of all, these spirits will continue people in the blindness to where they can't see. Their eyes aren't understanding and receiving the good news of the gospel. The enemy is at work trying to do this. Listen, I think we forget that people don't want to be miserable. Does <laughs> anybody that signed a card? Oh, Yeah. I'll sign that. I, Tony Herring, prefer to be miserable. And you get your miserable badge and you wear it around. Hey! Oh, you're miserable too. Nobody wants to be miserable. People want to be set free. People don't want to be bound up and stuff. I'm not saying that it's not a choice to live apart from Jesus because people make that choice every day. That's a very real choice for people to choose not to follow Jesus, to believe his word, understand that they can be free I'm not saying that. That is a very true and real thing, but we do have to remember that there's an enemy that is fighting just as hard, if not harder, for the souls of people, even believers, even believers that have that have been born again that still have certain iniquities that are carrying over into their walk with Christ, things that, that sin issues, and, and even um, believers, the enemy will come against. You know, Jesus said... It's not the healthy who need a physician, but it's the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. He, he also said that uh, I came to seek and save that which was lost. He has his heart. I mean, this is missions month, so let's just go there, right? He has his heart set on lost and hurting people. Does that mean he doesn't love us? No, Marvin clarified that. He loves everybody, but he sure has a, a twinkle in his eye for those who have yet to understood who he is and his love. Amen. That's our God. He came to seek and save the lost. And he goes on another time and he says, as the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. We see that little internship where he sent them out two by two. (laughs) You know, that's part of that. But here's the deal, you guys. In Mark 6, in verse 30, a little bit later down the road, it says that the apostles, the the disciples, came back after their little... their little internship, mission trip thing. It says that they came back, gathered together with Jesus, and reported to him all that they had done and all that they had taught. Now, here's the deal. They got to come back and to continue following Jesus. They got to kind of slip right back into learning from him and watching him and and being behind him and and all that stuff. But in Matthew 28, which Tom taught on this a little bit uh, last week, Wayne did, in Matthew 28, which is where we get the, the Great Commission from, Jesus sent them out for good. Jesus was going away. He said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you the helper. And right there is the Great Commission where Jesus isn't going to be physically, tangibly there anymore. He's going away. This was going to be for good. This isn't a short-term mission trip. This isn't a one-day outreach. This isn't a one-week outing, but it's for life. What Jesus was saying to them was a lifelong commitment, not just to his disciples then, but to his disciples everywhere. It was time for them to go out and influence the people around them for the kingdom. That's what he sent them out to do. And I I know that I'm not saying anything that we don't already know and haven't already heard. But these reminders are huge because we forget this stuff. And it's no different for us. Like uh, like Wayne said last week... um, um, The great commission was given to every believer, every disciple, not just those written in that word. It was for anybody who would follow Jesus then, now, later, whenever. It's the same commission with the same intensity and with the same authority that he sent it out. No one is exempt from the mandate of influencing the people around us. No one is exempt from the call to lead people to Jesus. Uh, Recently, I heard a teaching, (coughs) excuse me, I heard a teaching at a leadership conference that that really challenged me as a pastor. And I wanted to share a few of those thoughts as it relates to this, because we are all leaders. We're all leaders. A common definition of leader is influencer. You guys agree with that? Someone who influences one way, uh, someone one way or the other. You lead people to bad directions. You lead people, influence people to good directions, bad directions. But Jesus, let me just say this, Jesus passed the torch to us, his disciples. Jesus was influencing people, and then he passed that torch to us. Jesus was the light of the world. We sang a couple songs that talked about that. Jesus is the light of the world, was the light of the world, is the light of the world. Then what did he tell us? You are the light of the world. Everybody in this room is the light of the world. Why? Because he passed that torch to us. Uh, Jesus is the son that was sent into the world, (laughs) To save, seek, and save the lost. And now we are called sons and daughters of God. And guess what? We just read that scripture. We have been sent into the world as sons and daughters. We have been sent into the world. Jesus was a king. Jesus was a priest who had uh, heavenly authority. Guess what? Scripture says that we are, a, we are kings and priests. We are a kingdom and a priesthood. And we have been given heavenly authority to carry out this Great commission. So real quick, turn to Matthew 28. We're not going to hang there long, but um, talking about missions, you've got to talk about Matthew 28. So Matthew 28, real quick. And then we're going to jump into a couple other things. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Complete authority. Therefore, go. You could read it like this. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus is saying, I've been given a major authority to accomplish a great work. That's what I've been doing this whole time you've been following me. You've seen the things I've done. I've been able to accomplish these things because of the authority given to me by my Father in heaven. It's a kingdom authority, a heavenly authority. And he says, therefore, since I've been given to it, he's basically, in short, saying, now I'm giving it to you you go and do the things that I've been doing. In fact, there's another place in Scripture that says you're going to do these things and you will actually do greater things than I have done. Not necessarily greater uh, indeed, but a lot more of it. Why? Because they're the ones in charge of it now. I want you to write this by, your, by that verse, if, if you don't mind writing in your Bible. Matthew 28 is a passing of the torch. Matthew 28 is a passing of the torch. Okay, And what I want to do is I want to show you a few other torch passing passages, okay? Torch passing passages of scripture. Numbers 27, go ahead and turn there. Numbers 27. You guys are awfully quiet. I'm either preaching really good or really bad. (laughs) Thank you for not affirming one way or the other. (laughs) Appreciate that. Okay, I'll just continue on. You can send me an email and let me know how you feel about it. No, don't do that either. <laughs> yeah. All right. Numbers 27. This is a, a passing of the torch passage. Okay, This is when Moses is, is saying, you know what? I need a successor. I need someone who is going to follow me. And he talks to the Lord. And here's what he says. It says, the Lord, uh, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation. Well, who was the man over the congregation before that? Him. So when i be saying, I'm about to pass the torch, uh, who will go out and come in before them, before the people, and who will lead them out and bring them in so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like a sheep which have no shepherd, okay? So you have Moses, check it out, Moses who is passing the torch. Here's what he says. Whoever gets this torch, there's one thing he's got to be able to do. He's got to be able to come in, and go out, everybody say it. come in and go out, okay if there's one thing he needs, and there's other things obviously he needs to know, but the first thing he lists if there 's nothing else, the man needs to know how to come in and go out. Now, real quick, look at first kings three seven, just down the road here. First Kings three seven. Most of us know this story. is this is, is um, solomon 's famous prayer. Uh, we know that David died and he passed, the, uh, he passed the torch to his son Solomon to be king, okay? And so this is just shortly after um, uh, he became king. This is uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. We'll go ahead and read from verse 6. I'll read all this. It says, Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness, Of heart towards you, and you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king. Did you notice that? Solomon was a son and a king. I'm just saying, he was a son and a king. And look what he says Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Some of your versions if might even say, um, I do not know how to come in or go out like my father did. Okay, if you remember back in, in 1 Samuel and when David first came on the scene, it said all of Israel and Judah loved David and he went out and came in before them and so with Moses passing the torch to to Joshua Moses is doing the passing he is passing the torch he said all this guy needs to be able to do is come in and go out now here Solomon is the one receiving the torch and what does he say there's one thing I don't know how to do that my father did very well and that is to come in and go out you guys following with me everybody say come in and go out not you brother (laughs) come on in Bad timing. Okay, and again, I only have time to show you a few of these, but the idea of going out and coming in, the idea of going out and coming in is all over the Bible. And when something is mentioned over and over and over in the Bible, there's usually at least one place that'll tell you the meaning of that phrase or that idea, okay? So real quick, turn to Joshua 14. Joshua 14 seems to give an indication of what this coming in and going out means. Okay, this is Caleb talking, and I don't have time to give a background on this, but just listen to Caleb's words here. Remember, Caleb and Joshua were the only two that believed God that he would give them the land, and they were the only two that were able to walk uh, into the promised land. Everybody else had to die out that generation. Caleb said, I am still as strong today, and this is at at 85 years old. He was 40 whenever, uh, anyway. I'm still as strong today when I, as I was in the day of Moses uh, when he sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. And so it seems like going out and coming in refers to war. You with me? Now, Obviously, Israel fought real bloody battles with real evil enemies. Enemies And so you might say, well, what does this have to do with us? Most of us will never fight real bloody battles to the death with real evil enemies. But could this apply to us in a different way? Could this apply to us in a spiritual way? Remember what I said, missional living, not separating our Christian life from missions, but just um, walking the way that Jesus did. This is huge. Engaging in the fight. Missional living is living for the fight. Check this out. And this is what uh, I heard this pastor teach. And so this isn't original to me, but I've, I've, it impacted me. And so I want to share it with you. He talked about how um, Israel was obviously uh, a worshiping nation, but they were also a warring nation. And when they would come in from war, the first thing they would do, the first thing they would do is they would go to the temple, the tabernacle or temple, and they would worship God. They would offer sacrifices. They would praise him, thank him, bless him for the victory. You know, Sean talked about how lifting our hands is a symbol of blessing the Lord. And Boy, you know those people who had just slung those swords and shot those arrows and took a knife to the... You know, they were blessing the Lord for that victory. The first thing that they would do when they would come in is worship. And think about when they went out, Israel. Israel is the nation that God chose to bless the whole world, to bring the good news. The Messiah would come from the people of Israel. They were a chosen nation. God chose them to bring the good news to all other nations. But what's interesting is they would get into wars, they would fight, they would get in skirmishes, and they won. Over and over and over again, which isn't a big deal. Armies win all the time, but they are always the smallest. So we're coming in refers to a worshiping people. But going out speaks of a witnessing people. When they would go out and win those war, it was a testimony that their God is the greatest God. Why? Because there's no way they should be winning that war. There's no way. Think of Gideon. What was up with that? They belong to God. You hear what I'm saying? So you want to think about living in the fight. You want to think about missional living, giving your life for Jesus, living in Him, moving in Him, existing in Him. There's two things that have to exist in your life. Otherwise, nothing exists. And that is worshiping God and witnessing to the people around you worshiping and witnessing for me to live and move and exist in and for Christ for me to commit myself to the same fight that Jesus committed himself to remember he passed the torch Jesus was fighting for souls remember the time he went across the lake just to win that one soul and went right back across the lake every soul like Marvin said this morning every soul God loves including yours. And if you think that the Lord isn't fighting for your soul and sends his angels on assignments against the demonic forces that come against you, you're wrong. Because he loves you intensely and he's fighting for you. Isn't that good news? We have a we have a little thing in our house and we haven't hung it up yet, but it says the Lord God, he will fight for you or he fights for you. It's like yeah. You know what I mean? Right now, it's kind of leaning up against the wall, so to read it, you have to kind of go like that. But what a powerful thing. The Lord is fighting for you. Okay, so Jesus, um, uh, he fought that battle, and he passed that torch for us to engage in that fight. That means I am engaged in these two things. If I'm engaged in that war, then I must be engaged in worshiping, and I must be engaged in witnessing um, he passed the torch, and I thought about what torch? What did he do? Again, he worshiped, he witnessed, and then he worshiped some more. It turns out he would witness some more, and then he would go in and worship some more and go out and worship some more and witness and worship over and over and over. He came in, he went out. He came in, he went out. And a great picture is like a river. It's like this flowing Water. Remember in John 4 when Jesus was talking to that Samaritan woman and uh, he offered her living water? She came to the well to just get something to drink. And Jesus, through a course of conversation, said, would you like some living water that you would never thirst again? She's like, sir, I'd love some of that. Remember when he said, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his inmost, innermost being will flow rivers of living water water. In him we live and move and have our being from our innermost being will flow. Those who know Jesus will flow rivers of living water. Listen, you guys, living water is water that is alive and moving. Living water is water that always comes in and always goes out. If you want to write these things down, they're not on the PowerPoint. But when you stop worshiping You really have nothing coming in. You guys hear what I'm saying? When you stop worshiping, and you can apply that. I had a conversation with with someone recently about church, and you can worship outside of church. You can worship, and that's true. You can worship anywhere. That's not the point. The point is when you are not worshiping, there's nothing coming in. There's no water coming in. There's no life coming in. And so what you go out with is nothing. If nothing is coming in, then when you go out, you're going out with nothing. And I would venture to say that you got to feel that. When you go into your workplace, when you go to your families, when you're around lost people, you don't know what to do. Some of us are like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I can't do it. Have you been worshiping? Because a worshiping people is always ready to go out. I'm getting harsh here, but I'm actually harsh with myself first because the Lord convicted me of that. How much are you worshiping personally? Not as much as I used to, but things are changing. You hear what I'm saying? So I'm preaching at me and you, so let's cry together. Are you worshiping? When you come in here, are you are you spectating or participating? At home, are you spending time with God at all? Then don't be surprised if your tongue is tied when you try to share the Lord with someone or that you don't even have the desire to share or that you're full of fear just to communicate the kingdom? Are you worshiping? The other thing is, is when you stop witnessing, you become a reservoir, <laughs> not a river. You guys hear what I'm saying? And your water, hear me close, gets polluted. Stagnant. Polluted. Why do you think David fell into sin with Bathsheba? Where was he supposed to be? It says in Scripture, at the time of the year when kings go out to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. David was the king. What did he not do? He didn't go out. So what did he do instead? He fell into adultery with Bathsheba. See, there's this cycle in our life. There's this river that's got to be flowing in and out, in and out. And when that's not happening we're not right we're not aligned with the lord in fact sin increases in our life we're out of focus it's not living water it's stagnant water there's a prophecy in jeremiah 2 it says for my people have committed two evils now listen carefully my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters so that they can hew for themselves or dig for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can't even hold water. You, you, it's, you hear what I'm saying? Missional living is, is living in the fight, engaging in the war, the war for souls. There's a battle going on. Do you guys remember? The, I remember before I got saved. It was so intense. It was like my heart, my mind, my life was a battleground. Finally, I surrendered all of that to the Lord, and the victory came. There's people all around us that their life right now, you can see it. Maybe some of yours. Your life is a battleground, and it's always going to be a battleground, but at least it is possible for you to walk in victory. Amen? So I think what God is telling us to be Jesus in the world is to engage the war, like like, um, Brother Tom said, essentially like... um, Um, Wayne talked about last week engage in this thing we can't walk around just flippantly like whoa whoa, whoa," and think in me I live and move and have my being that is not why we are here like Paul said living yeah if I'm going to live I'm going to live for Christ that should be the challenge that should be the goal we're not even engaged in the war unless we're worshiping and witnessing in him we live and move and have our being living means living for Christ there's a scripture in Psalm 121. I don't think I have it up there. But it says that the Lord will guard your going out and coming in. Listen to me. The Lord will guard that. Some of you might feel like, well, but life has thrown this, and it's just been hard to get time with God, and I got this job, and I got this, and I can't do this. Listen, the Lord can guard your coming and your going. You want to worship? You commit in your heart to worship. Guard. The Lord will guard that. If we're not worshiping, it is not God's fault. Ever. He's always worthy. He's always there. He doesn't give up. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's always there. You draw near to him. Scripture says, boop, he's there. I'll draw near to you. It's never the Lord's issue. It's always ours. I will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. That's an eternal promise. So look at it this way. You want to worship? He wants you to, too. You want to witness? He will back you up. All you got to do is be obedient. He even told his disciples, I, or um, remember when it says, I will give you the words to say. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Just be committed to bring attention to the kingdom, to my great and wonderful salvation. You got to stand.